about church is singing songs with everyone. And one of the scary things about wearing a wireless mic is that I might not mute it and everyone can hear me singing, which isn't as scary when this room is full because like it's just louder and maybe my voice will get drowned out. But when it's not full and I start singing, I start like I had this moment for a second. I saw Randy and Chelsea both kind of glance my way and I was like, "Uh oh, and then right after that, Jonathan approached mics on and everybody's hearing it at home and they're annoyed because they have to hear me instead of Randy and Chelsea and uh, it wasn't on and you're you should be thankful for that but I do love to sing these old sacred songs I'm gonna be reading this morning from John chapter 10 verses 1 through 10 I'm I probably am actually going to read verse 11 But before I start reading this, I want to remind you of what happened prior to this passage. So Jesus is doing his ministry. And in the book of John, a lot of the times when Jesus is doing miracles, it's allowing people to either hear or allowing people to see. And the hearing is about hearing truth or not being able to hear truth. And the seeing is about seeing the light of God or not seeing the light of God. And so Uh, Just prior to what I'm about to read, Jesus finds a man who is born blind and gives him sight. And then he has a conversation with the Pharisees about who can see and who can't see. And this is what Jesus says to them uh, in the midst of that conversation. He says, I assure you that whoever doesn't enter the sheep pen through the gate but climbs over the wall is a thief and an outlaw. The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The guard at the gate opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Whenever he's gathered all of his sheep, he goes before them, and they follow him, because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, but will run away because they don't know the stranger's voice. Those who heard Jesus use this analogy didn't understand what he was saying. So Jesus spoke again. I assure you that I am the gate of the sheep. And all who came before me were thieves and outlaws, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief enters only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they could have life. Indeed, so that they could have live life to the fullest. And then he goes on and says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And may God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. And may God give us wisdom and courage to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. What a verse. Like, I'm saying, I'm just telling y'all, if if I could pick one verse to preach from, well, I don't know which one it would be, honestly, but this would be in the top ten for sure. The very last verse of this uh, I came so that they could have life, life indeed, life abundantly, life to the fullest. That's like a preacher's dream to get to talk about the gospel and how Jesus came to give us life. 
Because too often, I think, we think of Jesus coming to restrict life. You can't do this, and you can't do that, and a good Christian ought not be there, and a good follower of Jesus ought not be over here. But what Jesus is saying is, I came to give you life, and give you life to the fullest, and give you life abundantly. It's like this freedom that comes in following Jesus. The interaction he was having with the Pharisees is they were bound up. He was, they were saying, look, are you saying that we don't see? And he was saying, the fact that you even ask that question tells me you don't see. If you're wondering, you're in trouble. Because you're binding yourself up in aim to set us free. Before I jump too quickly into all of that, though, I think we need to spend some time with these metaphors that they didn't understand when they heard them. And quite frankly, I don't think I understand really clearly either. But I'm going to give it my best shot to help us understand. First of all, Jesus does a contrast. He contrasts the shepherd who enters the sheepfold by the gate to take care of the sheep with the people who come in as thieves and bandits who climb over to do the sheep harm. And it seems clear that they didn't understand it. And I think perhaps we don't understand it either. But I read this week a really cool understanding of this passage. And I don't know if it's true, so don't quote me on this. And don't, don't like go and type on Facebook that, what I'm about to say is fact, because do your fact-checking beforehand. But apparently, in ancient times, that um, all of the shepherds in an area at nighttime would take their sheep and put them into a common sheepfold or a pen. And then in the next, and it was easier to keep them all safe that way. The shepherds would kind of work together. But in the morning, they would open the pen, and the shepherds would start calling their sheep out. And the sheep would recognize their voices. And so my sheep would come out and follow me to wherever I was going. And Randy's sheep would come out and follow Randy wherever she was going. And Chelsea's sheep would follow her, her wherever she was going. But what if I'm calling to my sheep and one of Randy's sheep comes and starts, well, I have a choice, right? I could keep that sheep. And I could slaughter that sheep, and I could have a great big party. Or I could do the, I know, who knows? I hear it's good. Or I could do the right thing and return it to her. So a good shepherd does the right thing. And Jesus is saying that's how we ought to be in the way that we love one another. But he's also saying that he is the gate. That he is the place where people go to get to safety and to find security. And then he goes on to even add to it more and make it a little bit more confusing by saying he is the good shepherd who is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. I wonder where we find ourselves in this story. Because we're obviously the sheep who want to follow Jesus. But also, I think all of us, because we're followers of Jesus, want to be the shepherds who lead people into this place of safety and security. And by no means am I talking about physical safety or physical security. If you uh, listened to the podcast from two weeks ago when I was 
talking with my friend Zach Price. He told a story about living in a community in Africa where there were a couple of missionaries all living together. And it was, a, it was a pretty dangerous situation that they were in because the missionaries continually got robbed. And he said it was scary for him to live in that situation. So following the good shepherd doesn't always mean that we're going to be safe and secure. But what Jesus promises us is life and that we'll have life abundantly. Not just flourishing, not just eking out an existence, not just living a little bit longer, but having an abundant life. But how does Jesus know that we won't follow the wrong shepherd? How does Jesus know that we will know Jesus' voice? I think Jesus is confident in us when we're not confident in ourselves. There's a story, you've probably heard it, about Jesus walking on the water. And the most amazing thing about that story to me is not that Jesus walked on water, because prior to that miracle, we find lots of miracles that Jesus does, the starting off with turning water into wine, and then he heals people, and he multiplies the food, and he does all these miracles, and then he walks on water. Which is a miracle, no doubt, right? Like, if I were in a boat and I saw somebody walking across Elephant Butte, I would be pretty impressed. But the crazy thing is, is that Peter is in the boat also, and sees Jesus, and he follows Jesus' voice when Jesus says, get out of the boat and start walking. Peter hears the voice of the shepherd and goes to it. Starts walking on and then starts sinking. And Jesus walks over and helps Peter up and probably helps him get back into the boat. And then Jesus challenges Peter a little bit by saying, oh, you of little faith. And I don't think that it was a lack of faith in Jesus that Peter had because Peter got out of the boat and started walking. I think it was a lack of faith in the relationship. I think it was a lack of faith in himself. I think he didn't believe what he didn't believe in himself the way that Jesus believed in him. And so for us to live this life and live it abundantly and to be the kind of sheep that can also be shepherds, we have to trust that Jesus is standing there saying, you've got this. I believe in you. I believe that you can do what I can do. I believe that you have everything it takes to do whatever it is that I'm asking you to do for me. And that may put you in a place where you're uncomfortable, but by gosh, if you do that, you will have life and you'll have it to the fullest. And that may put you in a place where you're not secure in your income, but if you do it, you're going to have life to the fullest. You're going to find a bigger life than the one that is bound up by security. The Pharisees couldn't see it. My hope is that we can. My hope is that we can live in the freedom that Jesus calls us 
and allows us to live in. Jesus is saying, you know me. You know my voice. And you will follow me. And you don't have to doubt. Be confident. Know that I've given you everything you need to do what I'm asking you to do. It reminds me a little bit of the Apostle Paul. Paul has this place in Romans chapter 8 where he says, If God is for us, who can be against us? You hear athletes say this all the time. Ray Lewis, I remember him like yelling that after he won a Super Bowl one time. If God is for us, who can be against us? I don't think God cares about who wins the Super Bowl. Unless it's the Chiefs yet. And of course, God bless Patrick LeVon Mahomes. But if God is for us, Who can be against us? And then he goes on and lists potential candidates of who can be against us. He says, peril. Peril can be against us. And famine and violence. He doesn't add disease or pandemic or quarantine or isolation or loneliness or not having an income. He doesn't list those things. But he goes on, he could have, he goes on and he says, will any of these things defeat us by, se- by separating us from the life that is abundant, by separating us from this God who does nothing but love us, who peeks at you when you think this God ought to be sleeping and can't stop smiling when he looks at you? Will any of these things defeat us by separating us from God's love, which in turn sets up Paul's confidence instilling and faith-creating declaration, no, no, none of these things can separate us or defeat us from God's love, from the life-giving power of God's passion for you. Because we, we, Us with God are more than conquerors through the one who loves us. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of getting tired of you doing church at home. I love the fact that you're sending your pictures to Angie and she tapes them up in here so it feels like we're not singing or preaching with an empty room. But the fact is, it's empty, with the exception of four other people in my But I'm tired of this. And I know that you're tired also. On Good Friday, I actually got to experience a little bit of what you experienced. Randy did this amazing, fantastic job of putting together a video where we got to see Lots of people singing and families reading scripture. And it was a really cool kind of communal event. We didn't get to interact with each other on Facebook the way that you're doing right now. But either way, I sat in my house, my dinner table, putting out candles with tear-filled eyes because we weren't together. But you know what? Being physically together isn't what binds us to the Spirit of God. 
And being separated from one another doesn't separate us from the love of God that gives us abundant life. Because God is so much bigger than that. And God's love is so much more powerful than that. So whatever you're going through right now, however lonely you might be, however scared you might be because of your financial situation, however much insecurity you feel because you don't know how school is going to restart, when it's going to restart, we don't know. There's so much unknown. What we do know is this, that the story of God and us started at creation and is continuing on every single day God is with us. In the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, know that you are not alone. That we live in God's world, who has created and is creating, who came in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who spoke to us and others through the prophets. And this love of God will never fail we can never be separated from it. Amen.